Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. It's here in the House Call community where we have created an inviting space for you to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. It is our mission that with the knowledge you gain here, you will be able to connect your own health dots and begin to experience whole person care. So, let's sit down, let's get started, let's have some conversations, let's connect these dots, let's get some straight talk. Hey, House Call community, welcome back for our series on diabetes and how it affects the body. We have been having individuals come in to tell their health stories, and we're going to have several healthcare providers and other experts in various areas of the body come in and give their perspective so you can see a whole picture, a whole person picture. That's what we're all about here in House Call with Dr. Mack. We want you to be able to hear individuals' health stories, gain healthcare providers and other experts' perspectives. And as you take us on your walks, as you allow us to come into your homes and allow us to make a house call, you're able to start connecting your own health dots, become an intricate part of your healthcare team, and begin to experience whole person care. We want to take care of a little bit of a house a little bit of housekeeping before we get started into this this week's episode. We want to say welcome to the House Call Community Barbados. I saw you guys pop up on the analytics the other other week and that was really cool. We want to continue to encourage you guys to Head on over to our Facebook page. It's House Call with Dr. Mac, and it's the podcast page. We have a call to action. If you would like to share your health story and be one of our individual stories, head on over, redeem that offer, and send us an email response. Let us know your health story, and then we can see if, if your own healthcare provider or another healthcare provider or expert on the subject can come in and give their perspective. We love to be able to do that connection so that, again, we're connecting our health dots. So head on over to the Facebook page and claim that offer. If you're um, hearing us for the first time and you're saying, hey, this is really cool. I've never been able to kind of look at myself that way or understand medicine that way or, you know, understand a health process that way. And you know that this would be of benefit to somebody else. Why don't you head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever platform you use to listen to this podcast on and leave us a rating, leave us a review. Because as you give a review and as you rate us on those stars, it doesn't put anything in our pockets. All it does is it allows people to find the podcast a little easier. So instead of having to type in the entire name of the podcast, they can start, you know, you start populating, you start typing and then the whole thing populates that's what will happen and it will pop up a lot faster and a lot easier so other people can enjoy the podcast other people can have a value added to their lives and we can help more and more individuals connect their health dots and we can start living healthier lives and be more optimal 
You guys can head on over to housecallwithdrmac.com and join our e-newsletter so you'll never miss another conversation. It's free. And all you have to do is leave us your email address. Head on over to House Call with Dr. Mac. That's H-O-U-S-E-C-A-L-L-W-I-T-H-D-R-M-A-C.com. And leave us your email address and let us um, and become part of the House Call community um, newsletter. Uh, also, if you want to leave us a voice message, tell us how House Call with Dr. Mac has affected your life. If there's a health dot that we helped you connect, it would be really cool to hear that. Leave us a voice message. Head on over again to the House Call with Dr. Mac website. And there's an icon on the right-hand side. It says voice message. Click on that. If you're on a desktop or laptop, you can leave your 90-second voice message. If you're on a mobile device, once you click that icon, you will be instructed to download an app. And once you do that, those couple of little steps, you can leave us your voice message. And we will then start um, releasing some of those voice messages, interspersing them in our um, shows coming up in the fall probably of the year and maybe even a little sooner than that so head on over and leave us a voice message tell us how we're doing let us know what we can make better let us know if we're really tackling the topics that you want to hear it's kind of nice to think we are tackling what you guys want to hear but it's really good to know what you want us to tackle so you can leave us an email going over and send us an email at realdoc74 at gmail.com that's r-e-a-l-d-o-c-7-4 at gmail.com and last but not least we always like to let you know how you can support house call with dr mac you can become one of our patreon supporters and that is the patreon campaign again at the house call with dr mac.com website look at the support tab you can click on that support tab and you can become one of our patreons for as little as one dollar a month you can become a patreon or if you want to do a one-time donation you can click on the paypal option and leave us a one-time donation again this helps us to keep up with our equipment it helps to keep up with our software and also hosting the site on the various platforms so that we can continue to allow it to be free to um, the house call community i think i have covered everything i think that's it diabetes the sugar as we've been calling it we sat down and had Judy and Macy come in and talk to us about type 1 diabetes or pediatric type 1 diabetes and share their story. And we had an individual to claim and, and to take on that call to action that we had on the House Call with Dr. Mac podcast Facebook page. And she reached out to us and said, hey, I don't know if you have this particular story but I had gestational diabetes, and I'd love to share with the community what I had to go through and what I had to do in order to have a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby outcome, and a, and a great delivery outcome as well. I want to give you a little bit of background about gestational diabetes. Gestational diabetes is a diagnosis that you will only find in pregnancy, What we're learning about gestational diabetes is that the ramifications and the morbidity of gestational diabetes last 
at least 10 to 20 years after a woman has gotten that initial diagnosis. And we are learning, and I misspoke in the interview on a statistic that I want to correct now. The statistic is that 35 to 60% of women diagnosed with gestational diabetes will have the risk of developing diabetes outside of their pregnancy later on in life. We know that if you're diagnosed with gestational diabetes in your pregnancy, that you're at increased risk for having some comorbidities along with that pregnancy. Some of those things are developing hypertension in pregnancy, developing preeclampsia in pregnancy, and increased risk for cesarean section in preg- um, during your delivery. We know that having gestational diabetes can also increase the risk of your baby developing diabetes later on in their lifetime. And that's if you have diabetes that is uncontrolled diabetes. We also know that uncontrolled diabetes leads to some very some very um some very bad outcomes for the for the baby either they are very they're very low birth weight babies or they're what we call macrosomic babies where they're big babies and big babies when they're being delivered and some people call it natural or we just say vaginal delivery, they have an increased risk of having shoulder dystocia and problems with their shoulders coming out and having difficult deliveries. So this can give a major health problem. And we had a lady that came in and sat down and opened up and gave her story on being diagnosed with gestational diabetes. So, I want you guys to grab your pens and paper, grab your electronic notebooks if you have them. We're going to delve into this story on gestational diabetes. So, let's sit down. Let's get started. Let's have some conversations. Let's connect these dots. Let's get some straight talk. Welcome to House Call with Dr. Mac, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. We are back in the community, and again, we're having these individuals that come in to tell their health stories that are being so gracious, so transparent, and so authentic in their story. And this, you know, guys, we're, we're tackling the subject of diabetes, and so we've been putting together this ep- this series in the house call community where individuals are coming in and telling their health stories. And this particular individual that has so graciously consented to sit down in the house call community is a friend of mine through marriage because she went to high school with my husband. And I want to welcome Pat to the community. Welcome, Pat, to the house call community. Oh. Well, thank you very much. 
And, you know, I say you become a friend through marriage, but I feel like, you know, we can take Wendell out of the mix now and, and we can say that we're friends now. <laughs> Absolutely. I tell you, this is this is one of those, I, you know, I continue to call them full circle moments where people have been placed in our lives. And then as we're walking through the community and doing um, different, having different conversations and sitting down with different people, they are so gracious to open up. And you saw that we were doing our series on diabetes and you saw the call to action that we had on the Facebook community page and you said hey you know I don't know if you have a story but um, I have a diabetes story and I was just telling you before we started taping that when you said what your diagnosis was in your story it's so funny because it's in my area of medicine and I didn't even (laughs) think about it (laughs) I said oh yeah that is a topic we can talk about and it really is something we need to tackle. So, you know, we talk about individuals coming in and telling their health stories and we talk about healthcare providers and other experts giving their perspectives. And it's our hope that as individuals take us and let us go along with them through their daily lives, allow us to come in and make a house call with them that they're able to connect their own health dots and begin to experience whole person care. And so your individual story, we're, um, we're going to walk through that journey today. Can you tell us what your diagnosis was? Yes, I was expecting my firstborn son and I was diagnosed with gestational diabetes. Uh-huh. So I know people are going to say, what? Gestational diabetes. And that is a diagnosis that you only get in pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, you had it with your first child. So this is one of the things I want us to delve into. When you, Since it was your first pregnancy, a lot of things were new to you going through the whole prenatal process, right? Yes. When you got your diagnosis, did you have any clue whatsoever what it was or what it meant? When I failed the screening, because first they do a screening and then they do a much longer evaluation Mm -hmm. that's three hours long. When I failed the screening, I immediately started digging around as to what this was because I was not familiar with it. Okay. Um, and I was very fortunate to have a very dear friend who was the director of a woman's clinic in Portland, Oregon. Mm. And so once I failed the screening, I really started talking to her about what this could possibly mean. Okay. And so she started really educating me as far as what I would need to change, what dietary changes I would need to make. And um, by the time I failed the uh, Mm three-hour evaluation, then I was just really more on pins and needles waiting Mm -hmm. to see when am I going to get called back into the office? Right. What are they going to tell me? What is this really going to look like? But by then, I already had a vague idea of what I was going to have to change. Okay, okay. Now, when I can, I like to insert the science and the medicine, and I think this would be a good time to do so. So if you would just bear with me a little bit, I'm going to see if I can do this in a very succinct way. So gestational diabetes is a diagnosis that you receive in pregnancy. And what we think has happened is that there are some proteins that the placenta gives off that then makes 
the mom very resistant to insulin, just like a diabetic outside of pregnancy. That only happens in pregnancy. It resolves after pregnancy. But what we have learned is that there is an increased risk of developing diabetes outside of pregnancy once you have the diagnosis. What we do is you're given a test, as, as you were talking about, Pat, there is a screening test that's given. And when you go to your doctor, when you're pregnant, they're going to ask you a lot of questions in that beginning, that initial intake. And so they're going to see if you need to be screened very early or if you need to be screened at the regular time, which is usually around that 28-week time of pregnancy because then the placenta has enough of this um, growth factor that is going to go and float around to inhibit that's going to kind of mess with the insulin receptors. And so they give you this, you know, some people, um, some people call it very interesting type of sugar load. Um, I remember mine being like a sun kiss, kind of like orange. Oh. Yes, a flat soda. Yes, a very flat soda. And sometimes they say if you put it in the freezer, if you make it really cool, it you know, it makes it better. But you have to drink this it's a it's a sugar load. They want to see what your body's going to do with a sugar load. And when you fail the first one, then, like you said, you have to go for an extended time where they give you a little bit more sugar load, and then they draw your blood at interval times to see what's going on with the sugar your body just was dealt. And Mm -hmm. there are certain criteria that you need to talk through your physician with that they'll explain to you if you pass or if you fail it. Now, what happens after that is is now how is the pregnancy going to progress? And that's what we're going to talk about with you. So once you okay. failed your three-hour glucose tolerance test, is what we call it, and now you're given this diagnosis of gestational diabetes, and now they're saying to you, okay, this is part of your prenatal course, what was... Now that you have your diagnosis, what were some of the first things that you had to do in this pregnancy? Do you, do you remember? The, the first thing that they told me was to go see a nutritionist. Okay. Um, and so I did have uh, an appointment set up with the uh, dietitian nutritionist. We went through, she gave me an idea of what the highest amount of carbohydrates I should be consuming at each meal was. Mm-hmm. Um, she sort of laid out uh, a little menu of things that I could eat um, for each meal and how many calories I should try and hit within those meals and how often I needed to eat as well. Okay. So I remember um, vividly having to have that appointment and also going to my friend who was the director of this women's clinic and her telling me things like, if you're going to have an apple, even though an apple is healthy, to combat the sugar in the apple, you're going to have to have a cheese stick or something so that you have some protein with that. And so it was little dietary changes that I was really starting to become aware of that needed to happen. Wow. Now... You know, we were talking a little bit before on email, and I talk about how I love getting ready for a conversation, and then, you know, when we're able to sit down and have the conversation for the community, I asked you a question about how compliant were you 
<laughs> with what was then said needed to be part of your prenatal course? Well, I was compliant in the sense that I understood that gestational diabetes was a serious matter, mm -hmm. and I understood that I did not want to have to deliver a really big baby. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a very motivating factor. I did not want to have to go through something like that. Right. But my doctor, um, she wanted me to be completely stable and have good blood sugar numbers, I believe is about 90% of the time or 80% mm -hmm. of the time. And my husband, who is very good with numbers, decided we'd keep a spreadsheet for all <laughs> of my numbers. <laughs> and so we would go ahead and I had to poke my fingers four times a day yeah. before breakfast and then after each meal. And my numbers were pretty good. And at that point, even after being diagnosed, I had not gained a lot of weight. Okay. I believe I was still in about 20 pounds, um, you know, and I was almost to the end of my pregnancy. It was not a lot of weight. Okay. And so when the doctor wanted to, um, she wasn't as happy with the numbers when I came in a couple mm -hmm. of times. And she really pushed for the insulin for me to get injections. Mm -hmm. And this is where I became non-compliant <laughs> because I just told her, you know what, I want you to give me more time. I will figure this out. I will get it under control. Um, I have not gained a lot of weight, so there's really not a concern that I'm going to have this really huge baby at this point yet. Um, give me more time. Okay. And I'm and I'm thankful that she really did and that I had this friend of mine who just kept saying, you need to advocate for your health. Hmm. Advocate for your health care. And if you don't think that you need to take insulin, if you think that you can control it a little bit better in the coming two, three, four weeks, well, then give it a little bit more time and let's see what happens. And I'm so glad that I listened to that advice. I never ended up having to get on insulin. I was able to control it through very strict diet. I was hungry all the time, and um, I had to exercise. So after each meal, I would have to go out, and it didn't matter if it was rainy, if it was cold. It did not matter. I had to go out, and I had to exercise by walking um, about 10 to 15 minutes was enough to sort of um, kill that, that sugar rush wow. and control the sugars. That is a very good point um, because when you, what we're learning is that when you exercise after you're eating, it's allowing the muscles, it's allowing the cells to take in that sugar that it needs to and to get the energy that's that needs to be utilized for muscle contraction. And so you're utilizing that sugar correctly. It's not just floating around in the vessels like what happens mm -hmm. when we're diabetic. Um, that That's a really good point. I think that's a point that can be used for those that are diabetic even outside of pregnancy to Right. to do some exercising right after you eat. And one point that you said, you made some strict dietary 
changes along with some lifestyle changes. Like you said, you made sure that you were very strict with your diet and you then added exercise after eating. And I, and I want that to be a good point that we make because you were talking about advocating for yourself and and you you showed your physician, you showed your healthcare provider, I'm not just giving you lip service. I'm actually doing something to make sure that I can hold up my end of the bargain. Right. And that, that's very important because I, I want to make this point in terms of the science is that you made, it, you made a statement about having a big baby. So what diabetes can do, not just for, to the mom in pregnancy, is that it can affect the baby. It can affect the fetus. Okay. And we know that they can be one of two extremes. A lot of people hear about the big babies that diabetics have. But we also can see the extreme where you have tiny babies because the sugar, the excess sugar is affecting the tiny vessels and the babies get fed through the tiny vessels, through the placenta. And if those vessels are not in a good, if their integrity is not intact, the baby's not going to get the good nutrition. So you'll either have a very tiny baby or you can have the bigger babies that a lot of people are usually associating with diabetes because the baby is in this high sugar environment and their pancreas is pumping out a lot of insulin and they're storing some of this excess sugar into their adipose tissue. And so these babies get pretty big, pretty fast. And that can lead to a lot of complications in delivery. So this is, this is a problem with big ramifications. Again, that pebble in the water and the ripple effect. And so right. this is one thing I really want us to, to make sure that our community hears is that gestational diabetes has multiple effects on the mom and the baby. And so could you give us an idea, Pat, of what are some of the dietary changes that you made um, when you said, okay, I'm going to get stricter. I'm going to make sure that I, I look at things and, and make sure that, you know, my spreadsheet has, has this, this balance in it. Do you remember some of the dietary changes that you made? Um, I do. I remember for breakfast, it was a very simple breakfast. I remember having like one egg and one um, vegetable meat kind of a patty with a little bit of maybe a tomato slice or an avocado slice. It was very, very simple. Um, Like I said, I was always hungry. It did not fill me up by any means, but I knew that that's what I needed to keep my blood sugar in check. Mm. And so I also drank a lot of water. Mm. By each meal, I was drinking easily eight to ten glasses of water per meal. Wow. insane. Oh, wow. And that was sort of carrying me over for those three hours. And I would have a mid-morning snack, which might be, like I said, an apple and a piece of a cheese stick or something. Mm -hmm. And then that would hold me over another three hours with a bunch of water until lunch. And the other thing that I realized was that, you know, I'm, I'm Hispanic. We like a lot of rice, a lot of beans, and they are really loaded in a lot of carbohydrates. And so during those last about three months of my pregnancy, what I ended up doing for the dinner and lunch was getting a lot of frozen meals and going and looking at the number of carbohydrates per each package to the protein ratio and and really sticking to those kinds of meals 
because at home it was incredibly difficult to do it. Mm, wow. Amy, you really took responsibility for your part is what I'm hearing. You were very intentional about what you needed to do to make sure that you were being compliant and that you were showing your physician, look, I really am doing what I said I was going to do. Right, because I did not want to have any complications with the delivery, mm-hmm. and I did not want to be on insulin. Those were the two things that I really did not want my body to have to suffer through. And so the way I saw it was, if I can take responsibility now, mm-hmm. <laughs> then mm-hmm. I will have an easier time later. That's right. And so that's, that's how I viewed it. And wow. I had an incredibly easy delivery for a first-time mom. The baby was healthy, 7 pounds, 11 ounces, by no means, you know, a huge baby or small. Right. Um, You know, so it it really did work out very, very well for me. And I lost a ton of weight as soon as the baby came out because I think I was just on a really healthy lifestyle. Wow. That's a great point. You know, I hear so many of us struggle with that baby, you know, goodness, you know, I I just can't seem to get this extra couple of pounds off, but that's a great point. And that's a great segue into my next question. I was going to ask you, how do, do you, or do you even think that this lifestyle, the diabetes taking care of that has a, has it affected your postpartum time of life? I mean, you now have another child. I mean, you have two children. And do you see that having that diabetes may have affected the way that you actually look at health and the way that you um, take care of yourself now? Well, I think it does. I mean, definitely by the time I was pregnant with the second child with Jonathan, I knew I did not want to have gestational diabetes Mm -hmm. again. Mm -hmm. And so I was... um, You know, when you're pregnant the first time, you hear in society all the time that you are eating for two Mm -hmm. and that you can eat whatever you want. Mm -hmm. And so I was very um, unhappy (laughs) when I had gestational diabetes to realize that I could not eat whatever I wanted and that I was now going to have to be very strict in what I ate. And so with the second pregnancy, I immediately knew if you don't want to have to poke your finger four times a day, you need to go back mm-hmm. to how you ate with Sammy. Wow. And so I, I probably wasn't as strict as I was with the first, but I definitely tried to keep an eye on what I was eating and trying to walk as much as I could mm-hmm. um, after, after meals especially. And uh, even during the testing with the second pregnancy, you know, they give you this drink and you're supposed to just sit around. I went into the bathroom and I remember just marching in the bathroom. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Because that's what our body needs to do with sugar when we get it. It's our body you looks for sugar and and it looks for to break down things to to a molecule of glucose. And for every molecule of glucose that we can get into our cells around our muscles as they're moving, as they're pumping and the blood is flowing, we produce so much ATP, which is the form of energy, which makes our minds brighter 
which makes us not so tired, which gives us the energy, which helps our body to function. And that's an amazing thing that you realize that. I mean, that's really, that's really kind of cool. I kind of like that. (laughs) I really like that. Wow. So you did not have gestational diabetes with the second pregnancy. I did not. I did not have any problems with the second one. He was um, seven pounds even, so he was not big or small either. Um, No problems with the pregnancy the second time around. Mm -hmm. And uh, as far as long term, you know, I'm not a big fan of having very sugary breakfast. Mm -hmm. I tend to still stay away from... Um, the, the sugary cereals and that sort of thing. Um, I wish I could say I still stayed on the lifestyle kick that I was on when I had um, gestational diabetes, but I, I do still, even if I'm having a fruit, I will tend to still go for the piece of cheese to try uh-huh. and offset some of those carbs. So little things like that. I tend to not drink a lot of juice. I'm not a big fan of juices. I tend right. to stick to mostly water. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are some things that definitely did stick because like you like you mentioned, I am at a more at a higher risk of developing it myself now. Yes. So I'm I wanna ask you, you know, something we probably didn't even discuss this prior to, just it just hit me. When you go to your annual exams now, um, and your and your doctor is looking, you know, you you get your screening done, you get your blood your blood drawn. They have not found any diabetes or any concern for borderline diabetes as of yet, as of now, right? Is that correct? No, yeah. I'm still in the clear so far. So wow, I'm I'm praying that is the case. Still, yes, <laughs> that that's so good because we're learning that. Moms that are diagnosed with gestational diabetes and especially the type that would require them to have insulin, they are at a 10 to 15% increased risk for developing diabetes in their lifetime. And we're also learning that the children of those uncontrolled diabetics in pregnancy are at an increased risk for developing diabetes themselves. So again, that rock in a pond and the ripple effect. So this is a very deep and important disease process that we really have to learn about and get a hold of and know we have control over it. We really do have control over it. You are a living testament to that fact. Just in some of the, the lifestyle changes that you have done has proven that, has proven that fact. And this is amazing. This is really amazing. Um, Pat, I, I know we probably didn't even discuss this before, but is there anything that you learned in that process of, of going through diabetes that that kind of sticks with you, kind of going through the testing, going through that pregnancy with having diabetes that kind of just sticks out with you, that, that was a lesson that you just kind of hold on to? I think the biggest lesson for me was realizing that, one, it was controllable, Mm. that I could change this, that I could control it, and two, that I never wanted to go through it again. Mm -hmm. I I just remember having my fingers just so raw by the end of the pregnancy, Mm. and uh, thankfully, Sammy came two weeks early. I was 
so thankful. Yes, <laughs> yes. Two weeks of poking. Um, it was it was a very trying time because mm. Sunday through Friday were pretty easy um, for me to control my diet. But on Saturdays when we would go to mm. worship, there would be potlucks and there would be events like yes. that. And it didn't seem to matter how much walking I would do after those types of events. I could not control the sugar. And so that was very frustrating for me. And so I remember just thinking... I would hate to have this for the rest of my life. Wow. I need to make sure that I do not get this. I don't want this to be permanent. Wow. Pat, I thank you so much for being so open with your story. I'm I'm looking at our time, and it's time for us to round the corner, but I could sit here and just continue this conversation and, and talk to you for a lot longer. Um, but, you know, we usually ask our guests to leave the community with a tip of the day. It can be something uh, concerning gestational diabetes, pregnancy, or it can be anything that's on your heart that has come up on your heart as we've been talking this this little segment hour today. If you could leave us with a tip of the day, we'd appreciate it. You know, I think my biggest tip for anyone who is dealing with gestational diabetes or diabetes in general would be to advocate for your own health. Mm-hmm. No one cares more about your health than you. And so if there is, you know, research that you can do, some other people or professionals that you can talk to so that you can get as much information as you can so that you can have a truly open dialogue with your physician, I think that's incredibly important. I think, you know, a lot of times people just simply say, okay, doctor, and they, you know, allow themselves to get subjected to a lot of treatments where maybe if they would have spent a little bit more time um, doing their research, they would see that, oh, you know, maybe I can control this, maybe I can change something and avoid having something worse put into my body. Yes, that is a great tip. I love it. Being an advocate for yourself, I really do love that. You know, community, we are putting together this series on diabetes We've had another individual come in and share their health story. And until next time, we'll see you guys back here in the community. Bye now.